0: Chapter 14 this morning, Acts chapter 14, we've been looking at the life and the ministry of the Apostle Paul, and we've seen, a couple of weeks ago we talked about how he was persecuted. And this morning I want to focus on the persistence that we see in the life of Paul. At Acts chapter 14, you could pretty well turn to any of the chapters that cover the life of Paul and look at his persistence, but I think Acts chapter 14 really kind of brings it out. So I want to just read the entire chapter. So let's go to Acts chapter 14 and look at verse number 1. This is Paul's first missionary trip, Paul and Barnabas. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went... Both together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. And you'll remember as we've studied through the life of Paul, it was his custom to go to the synagogue first. And that's what we see here in this trip. That's what they did. And a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. And then what we always see in Paul's ministry, what happens in verse number 2. When people come to know Jesus Christ the Savior, the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. Long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of His grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided... And part held with the Jews, and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were ware of it and fled unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycaonia, and into the region that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. "...the same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet." And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lycaonia, "...the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men." And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker." Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands under the gate and would have done sacrifice with the people. Which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people crying out and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are, in, are, that are therein. "...who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven in fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings scarce restrained they the people, that they had not done sacrifice unto them. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people. Having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead." Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God." And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they had believed. And after they had passed throughout Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down into Adaliah and thence sailed to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. So Paul's persistence, that's what we want to look at today. And uh, you can read kind of throughout Scripture and throughout history... The lives of men and women that God have used that are just kind of persistent for Him. Uh, you know, some of you remember those commercials of the Energizer Bunny that just keeps going and going and going. You know, uh, I remember those. I was looking those up the other day. Um, sometimes on YouTube, stuff will pop up, and it was this video that popped up like uh, commercials from the early nineteen nineties. Everybody today wants ad-free everything, but I sat and watched a thirty-minute YouTube video of nothing but commercials from the early nineties. Whatever sense that makes. But it's like, oh, I remember that. Oh, I remember that. Uh, You see the Energizer, buddy. It just kept going and going and going and going. And man, it'd go off over the hill and out of sight. Well, you've got some people throughout church history uh, that are like that. There's grace in their lives that just allows them to persist, to keep serving God no matter what would happen to them. And you you look at the Old Testament. You have men like Joseph, Moses, uh, Daniel, uh, Jeremiah. Uh, we've been listening to uh, Kurt Skelly for uh, a couple of months now going through the book of Jeremiah. I and mean, that was a persistent man. A lot of the people of Israel, they didn't like Jeremiah's message, but he was persistent, wasn't he, uh, Chad? He would just keep going and going and preaching the message to him that God had given to him. It didn't matter what the, the people of Israel uh, said or did, Jeremiah was persistent to give them God's message. And so it doesn't matter how tough things get, we just keep following God and serving God and doing what he's called us to do. Well, uh, Tim Keller, he talks kind of about this general ministry principle. He says this, the greater the effectiveness of a ministry, the greater the resistance and opposition. And I think that's what we see as Paul. I mean, he's a prime example of that. Every time good things were happening, every time people were getting saved, every time people were, were growing in their relationship with the Lord, there would be opposition and resistance to Paul's efforts wasn't there and it didn't matter whatever happened to Paul personally though he kept going Uh, we referenced this verse a week or so ago in the book of Philippians how he said uh, it was like a runner he was pressing toward the mark he was he was running for a prize and he said forgetting those things which are behind I press toward the mark for the for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus Uh, he he exhorted the believers at the church at Corinth, he said, Be steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Uh, he says, Your labor is not in vain. In the book of Hebrews, I believe Paul wrote this where he said, God does not forget your works of righteousness to Him. So just keep going. Uh, those Hebrew believers, they had faced a lot of persecution, hadn't they? And Paul says, Be persistent, keep going. And that's what we see all throughout Paul's life. Uh, But let's look specifically as he challenges other believers, and us as well today, to do the same from Acts chapter 14. The first thing I think that we can see is how Paul persistently rose. Uh, His stand for the Lord always brought trials it always brought tribulations, uh, and he would always kind of bounce back up from them. And we saw here, especially from verse kind of 8 through verse number 18, when this man at Lystra gets healed, the man that had never walked before, this cripple, the astonished people begin to worship Paul and Barnabas as gods. And when Paul and Barnabas realize what's going on, as they were speaking in their own language, so it takes a few minutes for Paul and Barnabas to see what's happening here. And when they realize what's happening, Paul immediately tries to stop them. And Luke doesn't really record a great deal of the message that we get, but I would assume the message was very much akin to what he would preach in Acts chapter 17 when he went to Athens. You remember they, they were worshiping all of these false gods. They even had the altar to the unknown God. And I would assume Paul would preach a very similar message to these people. Hey, uh, it's not us. Uh, let me tell you about the one that you should be worshiping. And he would try to get to the point where he was talking about Jesus. But... Maybe before he can get to that point, we saw that this work began, this mission work began in the city of Iconium, and the Jews stirred up some people there. Well, just like we've seen in other places, these unbelieving Jews, they hear that Paul's moved down the road, and so when Paul gets over here to Lystra and begins preaching, a group of angry Jews from Iconium, they would have traveled about 20 miles. And I've got a map, Jonathan. Uh, I'll just kind of show you because this kind of helps it to get in our mind where they're at on this trip. So some of these Jews would have traveled from Iconium back down to Lystra because I'm just showing the route in one way but they would have come 20 miles from Iconium to Lystra, and then there were some of them, it says, from Antioch there in Pisidia that would have come down to Lystra, which was a trip of about 100 miles. Uh, These people desperately wanted to stop the message of Paul everywhere that he went. They were willing to take days of their lives to do this. They would give up days of work. I mean, they were losing money in order to go throw rocks at Paul, weren't they? That's how, that's how much they despise this man now uh, that they viewed as this traitor. I mean, who was he? He was, a, he was a bigwig in the religious society of Israel. But now he's preaching this message of Jesus. And so uh, he's a polarizing figure to the Jews. And these Jews that are, that are going to reject the message of Jesus, they're willing to spend days walking uh, for a chance to get some vengeance on Paul. And so he ends up knocked down. This group in Lystra, they begin where they're wanting to worship Paul and Barnabas. All oh, these men are great. These men are fantastic. Uh, but it didn't take very long for this group of Jews to turn their mind against them, did it? The, the, they turn into this mob mentality and they want to murder Paul now. I look back at verse number 19. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city supposing he'd been dead. I mean, they think that they've gotten the job done. And you can, you can rest assured, I'm sure these Jews, they, they were happy. Okay, we finally done away with Paul. This guy who keeps stirring up problems, he keeps converting people away from Judaism, he keeps telling people that this Jesus is the Messiah. Hey, we finally got rid of Paul. Uh, If you need a good reason not to get too excited about the praise of men, this is probably a good reason. People's minds can change very quickly, can't they? One minute, you're the greatest thing on earth. The next minute, man, you're yesterday's news. It happens in the sports world with coaches all the time. I mean, try try being a coach at Arkansas, Eli. Uh, I mean... You, you talk about wanting to stone people, I think you, I think you could gather up a, a mob in Arkansas that says, let's stone Sam Pittman, right, Chad? Uh, Dan Enos, let's, let's get rid of these people. Now, when they, when they were hired, people thought Sam Pittman, he, he's the greatest guy. Sam's so likable. But here it is just four years later, we've got to get rid of this guy. I mean, I'm on the bandwagon too. Yeah, let's get rid of him. Let's fire him. We, he's got to go. Uh, We can't pay $6 million a year for this. Uh, But our minds change, right? People like you one minute and the next minute. That's why if we're we're serving God, and at the root of it is we really like to have the praise of men, people's opinions are going to change from one day to the next. And if that's all that you're in serving Jesus for, it's not going to be long before you're out of serving Jesus. Uh, What does the book of Proverbs tell us? Uh, It says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. You see, it's impossible to consistently and persistently live for God if we are living according to people's opinions. Uh, The word of God doesn't change. This is unchanging. Man's opinions are, you know, always changing. And we say Paul's knocked down, And that's not really just the the whole story. I mean, he's been stoned. It wasn't like they picked up small rocks and just tossed at him. I mean, they're trying to murder the man. They don't want Paul getting up from this. And they drag him out of the city and they leave him. Uh, Stoning, it was a means of execution, wasn't it? They they weren't just trying to punish Paul. They wanted Paul uh, completely wiped out. And a stoning victim wasn't intended to survive. And so they leave him outside the city. And while we may not have to face that same sort of persecution that Paul did there, every Christian, every believer who wants to follow Jesus faithfully, that desires to see people to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior, uh, there's going to be some measure of suffering that you endure in your life. At one point, Paul would write, I believe it was to the Colossians, that he said that he bore in his body the marks of Jesus. Uh, he literally did. Uh, we read several weeks ago in, when we talked about his persecution, how he was beaten. He, he listed off the five times that he was beaten. Uh, Paul literally had the marks. He had the proof that he was suffering for Jesus. And faithful Christians today, you may find yourself criticized. You may find yourself mocked. You might find yourself ridiculed, uh, your motives challenged. Uh, All it takes is going out trying to knock on a few doors and uh, you'll find that not everybody's glad to see you. Not everybody's excited to hear the message of Jesus. Uh, There'll be people who reject that message of Jesus and there may be some measure of persecution. Uh, Hopefully you won't be stoned. But Paul, as he wrote to Timothy, encouraging his protege, he says, "...all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution." He doesn't say you might suffer persecution. The Holy Spirit led Paul to say, you're going to suffer persecution. There's going to be some measure of difficulties and tribulations and trials that you go for if you're following Jesus and you're serving him. And Jesus told us, even when he preached that Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told us that that we're to count it an honor when people revile us, when people reject us, Uh, because it's really that they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting him. And in Acts chapter 15, verse number 26, you're probably right there. Look at this verse. When we know it wasn't just that people criticized Paul, it wasn't that people just criticized Barnabas or Silas or any of these companions that traveled with Paul. Luke says uh, that these are men, speaking of Paul and Barnabas, that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. They've hazarded their lives. Yeah, they've put their lives in great danger. They put their lives on line. Uh, Paul, they thought he was dead. Uh, that's how much Paul has tried to serve Jesus. But when we consider the persecution, I believe Paul wrote this in Hebrews chapter twelve. What helps us to endure? What helps us to get through that? What does the writer of Hebrews say in Hebrews chapter twelve? How do we endure? How do we persist? Looking unto Jesus. That's how he begins. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Uh, He's writing to try to encourage these persecuted believers. And he says, look to Jesus. Consider him. Look at what he went through. So there in Lystra, Paul was literally knocked down for his faithfulness to the Lord. But you know what? Paul didn't stay down. Paul didn't stay down. Uh, Paul was not dead as the crowd assumed. He gets back up. And there is a common thread that runs throughout church history. Um, Through the first several centuries, the hardship that God's people saw through the persecution as they would preach the message of Jesus Christ. You think of things like the Spanish Inquisition. You think of things like those who were persecuted as they led the Reformation against the Catholic Church. Uh, Open up a book like Fox's Book of Martyrs and begin to read about the hardship and the difficulties that people went through, the persecution that they endured, the great price that they paid uh, for their faith. But you know what? Every time you read through it, has anybody ever succeeded, uh, succeeded at completely snuffing and wiping out Christianity? No. And you know what many times happens instead? They think that they're going to to damper all of this down, but it only stirs up the fires within other people to go out and tell more people about Jesus. And many times those who have tried to stop the message of Jesus have only actually helped to further the spread of the message of Jesus. And so we don't want to allow trials and persecutions to stop us as we seek to serve the Lord. Uh, The book of Proverbs talks about how a just man, a righteous man, may fall seven times, but he gets back up. It reminds me of that that movie, Chariots of Fire, uh, if you've ever seen it, Eric Little. Um, In the 1920s, there's the scene where he's in the race, and he immediately gets knocked down. The other three runners... Are yards ahead of him at that point. But he gets back up and he begins to run and run and run. And he passes all of them to break through the tape at the finish line. Even though he was knocked down, even though he was well behind the rest of the group, he chose to get back up and run. Uh, There's a, if you get on YouTube, you can go to um, Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, YouTube page, and they've got a cartoon about the life of Eric Little that would be good to show your kids. It talks about how he did a lot of great mission work and stuff like that. I would encourage you, if you've never read uh, about his life, seen the movie, any of that, study his life. It's inspiring. It's what we're talking about this morning. Um, But life can knock us down. Circumstances aren't under our control all the time. Sometimes we're, we're just dealt difficult things in life but what we do control is whether or not we stay down. Are we going to stay down because of it, or do we get back up? Do we keep going forward? Do we keep serving Jesus? You've probably heard this before. I always like this because it, it, it's a good reminder of this example. In 1832, he was defeated for the legislature. In 1833, he failed in business. In 1834, he was elected to the legislature. In 1835... His wife died. In 1836, he had a nervous breakdown. In 1838, he was defeated for Speaker of the Legislature. In 1843, he was defeated for Congress. In 1846, he was elected to Congress, but in 1848, he lost renomination. In 1854, he was defeated for the Senate. In 1856, he was defeated for Vice President. In 1858, he was defeated for the Senate again. But in 1860, he was elected President of the United States. And who is it that we're talking about? Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Paul was knocked down. He didn't stay down. And what did he do? He kept his focus upward. He kept his eyes on Jesus. If you have an iPhone that's fairly recent, or if you have one of those other off-brand phones, you know, Zach, uh, you might have some of those features where you you can do like a portrait mode picture. And you can put a subject in focus up front, and blur the background. Or you can choose to take whatever your subject up front is and blur it and put the background in focus. Now, professional photographers, they're very good at this. Uh, that's one of the things that makes professional photos look so good is they know how to, how to frame a picture, uh, how to get just enough of that blur in the background to make the, the subject stand out. They know what they're doing. And there's a temptation during times of distress that we take our eyes off of Christ and we lose our focus. And if we focus on our circumstances, it's going to draw us to discouragement. It's going to draw us to defeat. The story that I'm always reminded of when I think about this is the story of Peter. When they're out there in the boat and they see Jesus on the water, And he says, man, I'd like to walk on the water, too. And what does Jesus tell him? He says, well, get out of the boat and walk to me. And as long as Peter had his eyes where? On Jesus, he was fine. But you remember what those verses say? What was happening around Peter? There was a storm going on. There were waves. And Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, and what began to happen to him? He began to sink. When we get our eyes off of Jesus and it gets kind of fuzzy and we get them onto the circumstances around us, our faith, it's a little bit weak, doesn't it? It's hard to get back up. That's why we have to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And as we draw closer to the Lord's appearing, the Bible tells us that we're going to live in times where there are Seducers. There are those who will deceive many. There are those uh, in our society where things become worse and worse. And it sounds a lot like the society we live in today, doesn't it? And if that's what we put our focus on, it's going to be difficult to find that energy, that persistence to go out and serve the Lord. Uh, There's a lot of negative things happening in the world that we could focus on this morning and say, man, here's all the reasons why I shouldn't serve. Jesus, I should just sit down and wait for him to return. But we mentioned this verse a couple weeks ago, the parable where where he says to his servants, he says, occupy till I come. Be busy with the occupation that I've given you until I return. What's the occupation we've been given? We're supposed to fulfill the great commission to win, teach uh, all nations, to baptize them, to disciple them. That's what we're to be busy with. We're not just supposed to sit on the sideline. And we want to remind ourselves that what Paul wrote in the book of Romans is still true today. For God works all things together for good to them that love him. God's going to use this situation that Paul went through in Acts chapter 14 and Acts 15 and 16 and 17 and everything else that Paul went through. Uh, What did he say in Acts chapter twenty, verse number 24? He said, none of these things move me. None of these things move me. God's using all of these for a purpose. God has a purpose. God has a plan for your life, and he has a purpose, and he has a plan for the problems and the persecution that we go through. And He wants us to keep going. And so it's a matter of our focus, where we choose to look. And he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 16. He says, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And notice these words, for our light affliction. Now, I don't know that we would look at anything that Paul went through and consider it light affliction, but that's what Paul called it. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul's saying, how am I able to persist? Because of my focus. Where I have my eyes pointed. What I'm looking at. And if our focus is turned from the world, the temporal things, set your affection on things above not on things on the earth. We can be renewed, we can be encouraged as we continue in our journey. Uh, The scripture teaches over and over again the the importance of living with a focused attention on Christ. What did Jesus say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. He says, don't don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink. Serve me Uh, put God first, those things will take care of themselves. So Paul persistently rose. And then Paul persistently returned and resumed. If we look back there in Acts chapter 14, down to verse number 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Now, wait a minute. Wasn't Lystra just where they had stoned Paul? They drug him out of the city. He gets up and he goes back. And he went to Iconium and Antioch. Isn't that where the group of unbelieving Jews had just come from that had stoned him? What is Paul doing? He's going back again. Wow. Wow. That's amazing that he would choose to return to the places where they had already persecuted him. He goes right back. Why? Well, he answered to a higher calling than those people that were there. They, early in the book of Acts, I believe it was Peter and John, they were told, don't don't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. They said, we don't answer to you. We answer to a higher person. We answer to a higher calling. We will preach the name of Jesus. Paul was the same way. He persisted. And so why did he go back? First of all, he went back to confirm the believers in the faith. Paul, in everything he did, he wanted to seek God's will. He wanted to go where God wanted him to go. Last Sunday, we talked about being in the path, getting in God's way. We want to be in God's way. Paul wanted to be right in God's way where God wanted him to be so he could be used of God. And not his own desires. A lot of times we take hardships as an opportunity to kind of quit. And we get out of God's way. I'm going to go over here and sit on the sidelines. Well, that's not where Paul wanted to be. So he goes back to Lystra to confirm the believers in the faith. Common sense would say, "Uh, go the other direction, Paul. Get as far away from there as you possibly can. Don't go back. They just tried to kill you. They think that you're dead. And imagine the... I mean, this must have been some physical pain that Paul was enduring as well. I mean, he's just been stoned and left for dead. And he gets up and he goes back. And the Holy Spirit told Paul, he says, Paul, I need you to go back there. You have a responsibility to these believers to help their spiritual strength. And so verse number 22 says they were confirming the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, you think it served as an encouraging example to those new believers when they saw Paul walk back into the city? He says, hey, continue serving God. Keep going. Wow. That would, that would encourage me to see a man who'd just been left for dead walk back up and say, hey, we got to keep going. we got to keep serving. we got to keep working. And what did he do when he goes back to Derby and Lystra? He taught, he confirmed, and he exhorted. Uh, what did he say? He says, you've got to continue in the faith. He says, tribulation is going to be part of the journey. And they saw that living example in his life. And there's probably people in your life. I would encourage you to, to reflect on that this morning. Think of somebody in your life that has been an encouragement to your spiritual growth because of an example of their faithfulness. Uh, each of us has probably been touched by somebody. We've looked at their life, and we've been encouraged... Maybe there was a point where you thought, you know, I may just quit. I may sit down on the sideline, but somebody else's faith helped strengthen you and encouraged you. It would be a good opportunity just to let them know if they're still around and you have the opportunity to talk to them. Let them know that they've been an encouragement to you. Let them know how their faith has been an example to you, uh, how they have blessed you. And in return, you can be a blessing to them. But Paul says they've got to continue Uh, That was kind of one of the reoccurring themes that we see in the New Testament. 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, he says to Timothy, he says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. In 2 Timothy 3.14, he says, Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, Continue. Keep going on this journey. Be persistent. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't hit the sidelines. Paul had a lifetime of spiritual fruit to his account because he was persistent, because he didn't quit, because he didn't give up. Paul was persistent. Uh, And again, a lot of times we don't have control over a lot of things in our lives, but we have control over how we respond to them. Keep pressing forward. Paul, he could have spent his energy, his resources fighting the injustices that happened to him. Many times these things happened to him, and he had legal recourse that he could have taken. He was a Roman citizen. But Paul didn't spend his energy fighting the injustices that happened to him. He said, I put those things behind me. i got to keep pressing forward. There's more people that need to hear about Jesus. I don't have time to sit still. And we read those verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 just a few minutes ago, keeping our focus on the eternal things. But look at the verse that precedes that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 15. It points to the influence that we have on others as we keep our eternal focus. He says, for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Uh, What took Paul back to Lystra? What took Paul back to Derby? What took Paul back to Iconium where he'd faced these persecutions? The believers there needed him. There were people who were counting on him, people who were relying on him. And the same thing is true today. There's somebody that needs you. There's somebody that needs you. They need to see your example. They need to see your faith. They need to see you serving Jesus. Somebody needs you. So for their sake and for the Lord's sake, don't quit, don't give up, keep going forward. They need you. So he confirmed the believers in the faith and then he commended the believers to the Lord. Uh, He went to these new churches, he helped select and train uh, leaders. That word uh, commend, it means to deposit, to entrust, or commit to one's charge. Uh, And so Paul knew that these uh, churches these congregations, that they needed these new elders uh, to place their full trust in the Lord, he had to move on and minister to some other churches, to some other people. And so he left the believers at Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. He left them to the Lord's care. And Paul understood that as he committed or commended these believers to the Lord, uh, he says, you know, the ministry is the Lord's. This church belongs to the Lord. Uh my personal converts aren't mine. They belong to the Lord. Uh, and so he commends them to the Lord. And he repeated this concept in uh, Acts chapter 20, verse number 28. Paul repeats this in his farewell address to the elders at Ephesus. He says, "...take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased." with his own blood. We have to place everything, everyone, including our areas of ministry, the people that we're serving in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ, and say, you know, Lord, it's in your hands. It's in your control. And then lastly, Paul persistently reported. He rose, he returned and resumed, and he reported. Now, if you had just been on this missionary journey like Paul, And it included being stoned and left for dead. Do you think that you might report about that when you got back to see everybody? For Paul, look at verse number 24. The central matter that he wanted to share with his home church wasn't about his persecutions. Verse 24. And after they had passed throughout Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. When they had preached the word in Perga, They went down into Adaliah and thence sailed to Antioch. Not Antioch and Pisidia, back home. From whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they had fulfilled. And when they were coming and gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. That's what Paul wanted to talk about. Hey, let me tell you about all the people that got saved on this trip. There's a lot of people that came to know Jesus Let me tell you about some of these new converts. And he begins to share his testimony, the goodness of God in his life and how God saw them through this journey. And that's what we ought to talk about. That's that's when we give glory to God. Uh, The book of Psalms in several places talks about how we're to give him the glory that is due his name. Sometimes we sing that hymn here at church, glory to his name. That's what it's about. Singing about the goodness ...of God in our lives. Uh, Paul would write to the church at Corinth. He says, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do... ...do all to the glory of God. That was his life. He glorified God, not just in his words, but by his persistent service. Paul continued to travel for the Lord. He kept traveling. Just a short passage that we read there in, in Acts chapter 14... But it covers an amazing journey. It begins with his time there in Lystra. He sees this crippled man on his feet. He's worshipped and then nearly killed. He goes to Pisidia, Pamphylia, Perga, Adaliah, finally back to Antioch and Syria. It's not easy traveling back in this day, in this first century time. It was difficult. But man, was it worth it to Paul. And he stayed there for a while, and then we really examined over several weeks, uh, Acts chapter 15 and 16 and 17, as we looked at Paul's second missionary journey, we spent time looking at everything that happened in Philippi, Thessalonica, Corinth, Ephesus, all of those places, those churches that were started. Paul just kept traveling for the Lord. Uh, You may not be called to travel the way that Paul was. He may not call you to be an evangelist and to hit the highways and go up and down the roads from coast to coast and border to border. But you should be persistent in the ministry that God has called you to. If that's teaching Sunday school, be persistent in it. If it's working in the nursing home ministry, man, we've been there. They celebrated a year, what was it, last Sunday? We've been persistent at it. Just keep serving Jesus. Be persistent. Don't let the trials, the ups and downs knock you out. Are you willing to go out of your way to witness to your neighbor? Be persistent in sharing the gospel. Uh, We've got a table in the back there. We've put out several different kinds of tracts. We've even got some that are made just for kids to hand out. Uh, We ought to be in the business of passing out the gospel tracts. Some of them are just kind of general church invitations. It's good just to invite people to church. But every single one of those invitations that are back there, if it doesn't have the gospel written on it, it has a link to our website where the gospel's there. A gospel video is there. Our Facebook page has uh, the very first thing you'll see on our Facebook page is a, like a ten minute presentation of the gospel. Uh, you can share that with your friends on social media. Uh, how are you getting the gospel out? Maybe you go to that coworker one more time that never has seemed that interested. You invite him to church. I don't think they'll come to church. Hey, we have our we have our fall festival and chili cook-off coming up in a couple of weeks. Invite them to come to an event like that. It's not a church service. Just invite them to come enjoy the evening and do a hayride, bring their kids, play some games, eat some chili, some of Jessica's sissy chili. Just keep going. Keep working. Keep serving. Keep inviting. Keep sharing. Paul kept traveling for the Lord, and then he kept testifying for the Lord. Uh, He was always, everywhere that he went, telling people what the Lord had done for him. Paul was never one. It wasn't about Paul, was it? He really didn't focus on himself. He always gave the glory right back to God. He directed everything back to Jesus. And he says he rehearsed all that God had done with him. And that's a good kind of fellowship. Uh, next month, we'll have our annual pie and praise service here at church. I like that. We'll spend the entire evening that, that Tuesday night before Thanksgiving sitting around the tables eating pie. Hopefully none of that pickle pie again. That was That was rough. The rest of it was good. We'll have pie, and we'll go up and down the tables and just share what God's been doing in our lives this year. How good he's been to us. And we ought to do it more than once a year, shouldn't we? It, it should be a recurring theme in our lives that as we're talking to one another, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk this morning some about how terrible the Razorbacks are. The rest of you non-Arkansas fans, pipe down. But the main thing that should consume our, our focus and our attention when we're talking is as we share blessings with each other. What's God doing in my life this week? How's God blessed me? Hey, let me tell you what the Lord showed me this week through some of my studies. Hey, I listened to a message this week. Uh, Dustin, th- he's probably listening online this morning. He's down in Alabama. He's been sharing with me throughout the week, sending me a message. Man, I was listening to this sermon, and this was really good. I like to see that kind of stuff. We've got to turn our spiritual viewfinder as we're looking at Paul's practices get our spiritual viewfinder out, and start looking for the blessings that God has in our life and start testifying like Paul did and be persistent. God's grace. How do we get back up when we're knocked down? Not on our own. Not in our own strength. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. Strengtheneth me. can't do it in our own strength, in our own power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's why we need this filling every single day. Be ye filled with the Spirit. Sometimes our spirit fills Tank starts to run a little low. We've got to get filled back up. And we keep encouraging others to keep their focus on him. We keep our focus on him. We keep pressing forward for the Lord. Let's pray. God, thank you for this opportunity to look at Paul's persistence in his life, how he encouraged the believers in his day and continues to encourage believers now to continue to be persistent, to keep pressing forward. Lord, there's, there's a lot of work that needs to be done for you I pray that you would help us to be your hands and feet, that we would be a shining light in this community. We'd look for ways to serve you and to testify for you and point people back to you. We pray that you would move in our morning service. We pray that you'd bless the music and the preaching, the giving, everything that happens today, Lord, allow it to be an act of worship for you. We love you and we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.